Good morning, HCC. Pastor Brian here. Uh, so happy to be back with you. Um, just was super blessed the last few weeks with uh, both Barb Beard and Josh Evers bringing us some fantastic messages. Um, was so just blessed is the is the right word. Um, just and challenged, uh, challenged by so much of what they were saying and and how I'm responding to things and how I'm reacting to things. I hope you were too. And and if you if you were. Uh, just take just a minute and reach out to either one of them and, and just let them know. Um, as a speaker, I just I, I know how encouraging that is when you put the time and effort into a message and, and it's well received. It feels great to know that. Um, it makes you know that you're on the right track. So for bo- both Barb and Josh, make sure that if you if you appreciated what they said, make sure if you haven't yet, reach out to them. Um, again, they did such an awesome job. Thank you to our worship team each and every week putting songs out for us um, so we can join together in worship. That is something that has been absolutely wonderful for me and my family, Um, but I'm excited to be back this morning. I'm excited to be back to be ready to teach. We're going to start a series called Distracted, as you can see on our screen. Um, We're going to look at the first uh, groups of people that Jesus would have dealt with. There's four that we're going to look at, and we're going to see who they were. We're going to have a little history lesson about who they were and what they were and why they were important, but we're going to look at what Jesus said about them and how he interacted with them, and we're going to make some parallels to what's going on in our lives. Um, this message has been incredibly uh, difficult for me to put together. Uh, it's been really challenging in many different ways, uh, challenging myself, uh, challenging the church as a whole, both our church and, and uh, bigger context, uh, capital C church as well, um, because there's certain things going on in our world that I think we have to be talking about. I think we have to be addressing, and I'm, I'm gonna dive into some of those at the end, but I want to focus on the Pharisees first, um, and if it's a, a difficult message for me, I've been praying through it. Thank you so much for those of you who I know have been praying for me this week. Uh, I'm gonna pray right now. Settle my heart, settle my mind, settle your heart, settle your mind so we can jump in together and hear God's word. So if you join me in prayer. Father God, this morning we thank you so much again that we can come together in your name for your purpose, for your kingdom and your glory. God, everything else, uh, as the the screen says, is is a distraction. And God, our world is filled with distractions right now, even though we're probably less distracted than we normally are, there's still tons of things that distract us from what matters most. And God, you're what matters most. People are what matters most. Uh, And so God, this morning, help me to have the right words to express what you've put on my heart. Um, God, what you've uh, broken my heart with. God, give us ears to hear, me included. Give me ears to hear. Um, God, give us hearts that are ready to be molded and feet that are ready to move to action. And God, anything that I say that's for me and my, ma- and my imagination or my opinion may be forgotten before anyone finishes this video and logs off. But God, everything that's from you, let it stick forever. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. And like I said, we're gonna be looking at the first few groups that Jesus would have interacted with um, so you know what's coming up in the next few weeks. Um, We've got, today we're gonna be talking about the Pharisees. The Pharisees were probably the most prominent, most well-known group that Jesus dealt with during his time here on earth. But there were three other groups that we're gonna look at. The Sadducees, the Zealots, um, and then within the Zealots, there were the Sakari, and then the Essenes, which is the group that brought us the Dead Sea Scrolls. And so we're gonna look at each one of these groups and see how they connect to us. But we're gonna start out with some history. 
Because if we don't know where they came from, if we don't know the background, then it's hard for us to understand some of the things that occurred when Jesus was walking the earth and some of the debates and discussions and arguments and disagreements that he had with the Pharisees. I think for much of life, if we don't know the backstory, um, we miss, on, miss out on so much of what we can understand. Uh, that, that goes for people as well. Uh, one of the things that I've always struggled with in life is making a snap judgment about something without knowing the background, without understanding the background. And so we're gonna ask the question, who are the Pharisees? The Pharisees were a powerful group of Jewish leaders during the time of Jesus. In fact, they go back um, all the way back to the Maccabean Revolt. Uh, It's part of Jewish history. Um, The Maccabean Revolt uh, brought some peace and some Jewish leadership back to the promised land, um, back to Israel where God's people lived in God's land that he had promised them. Uh, Historian Josephus, he's a Jewish historian, he says there are probably 6,000 members of the Pharisees, uh, but truthfully there may have been 6,000 members, but the majority of people, the majority of Jewish people at the time of Jesus would have essentially agreed with the Pharisees um, in theology, in uh, doctrine, but not always in practice. Uh, That's one of the things that Jesus had a real issue with with the Pharisees is they would say one thing and do another or, or, or he said that they put a heavy load on other people that they really weren't willing to carry themselves. Um, they, their focus was on the religious life. Uh, there was kind of two parts to the life of a Jewish leader at the time of Jesus. There was the religious life and the political life. Um, the Sadducees were really focused on the political life. We'll talk about them next week. But the Pharisees were really focused on the religious life. How does the word of God, how does the law, which is the, the first five books of the Bible, the Torah, uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, what does, how does the law, the Jewish law, pertain to every element of our lives? Um, and they did such a great job of that, and we're gonna talk about that here in just a little bit. The Pharisees were not all bad. If you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those four guys' accounts of what happened during the life of Jesus, you can take away this idea that the Pharisees were all bad, they never did anything right, and they were just antagonistic towards everything that Jesus was trying to accomplish, which is essentially and simply just not true. They did some amazing things, but Jesus had some real issues with them. Um, Historian Josephus said the Pharisees were the most accurate interpreters of the law, which was really impressive considering most of the Pharisees were from the middle class. Uh, They were generally not the elite. They were not the rich and the wealthy. Um, Most of the Pharisees came from middle class to upper middle class homes. Um, And so it was really impressive that they were able to understand the law of God and understand what was happening in the law of God and were the best and most accurate interpreters of how to uh, put that into practice. Uh, And that's where they started. But from where they started, back in about the 160s, 170 uh, BC, sorry, um, to the time when Jesus was walking the earth in the first ADs, um, first uh, 30 years uh, AD, um, they had had neglected some really important things and began to focus on things that weren't so important. But to understand more of where the Pharisees came from, we have to understand the exile. Uh, So God's people were the Jewish people. God said, these are my people, you're gonna follow the laws that I give you and I'm gonna make promises to you. And he promised them a a land and he promised them uh, the the promised land and he said, you're gonna have it and he had prophets that that spoke about it. And, but once they got to the promised land and, and the Jewish 
Old Testament, the, the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, is a series of um, ups and downs. It's like a roller coaster. The Jewish people would be righteous and doing what they're supposed to, and then they would slowly and sometimes not so slowly dive down into rebellion against God's word. God would send, uh, first he sent judges, then he sent kings, and then he sent prophets, and they would tell the people, you've got to stop doing that. That's not the way God wants you to live. It's gonna turn out bad. And then be like, oh, snap, you're absolutely right. We should do something different, and they would, and they'd come back up the hill, and then they'd be on top for a while, but inevitably they'd come down again, and God would send another prophet. And, and throughout Jewish history, God sent prophet after prophet after prophet that essentially said to his people, if you do not stop behaving this way, I'm gonna take away those things that I gave you. I'm gonna, I'm, there's gonna have to be a punishment and it's gonna have to be here on earth. I don't want to. It's the last thing I want, but I cannot stand by and watch my people be in complete and total rebellion against the word of God, against the law. And so the prophets would come say that and eventually, instead of being able to come back up on the roller coaster, they came to the bottom and just stayed there. There'd be little bumps of, of some sections of righteousness, but overall it was lawlessness. It was against God's word, and so in 587 BC, Jerusalem, the capital of, of Israel, was was captured, and the Jews were sent into exile. Um, and so the the Pharisees, which then were the were the uh, part of a group called the Hasidism or Hasidism. Um, just for information's sake, the Hasids, the Hasidism, sorry, became the Pharisees. They were the first to really wake up and understand. Hey, um. Didn't God send like a group of people over and over and over again to tell us, hey, if you don't obey the law, bad things are going to happen to you. Uh, maybe, just maybe, we should start doing what God asked us to do. Because they think they finally realized if we do what God asks us to do, there won't be punishment. Weird, crazy children that are listening to my voice right now, when you obey your parents, there's not punishment. It's weird that way. My children should be listening right now. When you obey daddy, there's not punishment. Okay, thanks for that. So what they finally realized was that they had violated the law so much that God essentially, because he's just and he's righteous and he's holy, uh, couldn't stand for it anymore. And so what they did is the Pharisees had the law over here, but what they decided was the, the law wasn't specific enough, um, allowed for too much interpretation, and so what they did is they began to add uh, extra man-made laws around the law to make sure no one ever violated the law. Jesus referred to them as the traditions of men. Um, and one of the things that really separated the Pharisees from every other Jewish group is they believed that the laws surrounding the law, the man-made laws, were of equal importance and equal relevance and equal to the law that God gave them. And they had elevated the ideas and the interpretations that they had for the word of God, the law, and said that's equal to the law. In the same way that you obey the law, you have to obey our oil oral traditions. They built a hedge of protection around the law so that no one would ever, by accident or by happenstance, violate the law because they had dealt with being exiled from the promised land, from the place that God's 
presence rested. God's presence rested in Jerusalem in the temple and so they were without God's presence and they were without the sacrificial system and they were without all these different things that made them uniquely Jewish, uniquely God's people and they were really, really struggling. And so their intention was really good but there was a lot of negatives that came along with that and that's why we have to understand it's not all black and white whether it's the Pharisees or the church or me or you, it's not all black and white. Uh, there's so many middle grounds that we have to wrestle with and there's so much tension living as a Christian in today's world, living as a follower of Jesus in today's world that it's not all black and white and we have to live in between those two colors because the, the Pharisees, we have to realize, attempted to bring all of life under the law which is essentially what every pastor is trying to get the church people to do, is to take what God said, what Jesus said we are to do, and to put all of life under that. That all of life is, is umbrellaed by what God has told us to do. Love one another as I have loved you. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Those are the things that he's asked us to do. And so the Pharisees said, well, here's the law that he gave us we should try and fit all of life underneath it. And that's exactly what we're supposed to do. But Jesus' issue was the law, yes. These oral traditions, not, not so much. Not so much. They longed for a righteous Israel and, and were excited and hopeful for a coming Messiah. But they got distracted and they completely missed it. They completely missed the Messiah who had come because he didn't fit the oral traditions. He didn't fit the fence around the law. He fit perfectly into the law. He didn't violate one single tenet of God's law, but he pushed against almost all of the interpretations that they had, the extra laws, the tradition of men, the oral tradition that the Pharisees had, that Jesus violated. Um, the, the Pharisees were, were such, did such a great job of making the law influential in the lives of the majority of Jews. This is one of the things that, that we'll, 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 we'll rag on them for a little bit here in a little bit because it's, it's rightfully due. Um, they missed a lot of things. They were distracted by a lot of things. But we have to recognize that they were followed by the masses, the, the masses of, of Jewish people who believed in Yahweh God, the God, the creator God who is the father of Jesus, um, those people followed the Pharisees and the Pharisees did such a great job of making all of life come underneath the law and be impactful to the lives of so many people, which again is what we're trying to do right now. We're trying to make the, the law of God, the law of love, which is the new covenant law, to be influential to the masses. And in fact, the, the Pharisees believed most of what the, the first church would have believed apart from Jesus. They believed that there was one true God. They believed in angels and demons. They believed in God's providence, that he was in control of all things. They prayed. They prayed consistently. They fasted. Um, they believed that there was a necessity for both faith and good works, which you read throughout the entire New Testament. Um, they believed in the final judgment that was to come, which we read in the book of Revelation. They believed in the coming Messiah. They knew that God was going to send someone to save them, but they didn't believe it was Jesus. That's where they got distracted. They believed in the immortality of the soul and the final resurrection, so much of what the New Testament talks about, but they got distracted. They got distracted by some pretty major things and Jesus had some real issues with them and, and I'm gonna be 
careful today. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping you're, I know you're at your house, um, but I hope you've got shoes on today because I'm gonna step on some toes. I'm stepping on my toes all over the place in this message. Um, I'm gonna step on personal toes. I might step on the church, Harrisonville Community Church's toes a little bit. Um, and I might step on, if you're listening and you don't go here, but you go to another church, I might step on your church's toes too because these are things that I see within the body of Christ today. I think if Jesus would speak to us the same way he spoke to the Pharisees, I think for many of us he'd say essentially the same things and that, that's why I was struggling so much with this message is because it broke my heart. Not, not that, that we're so much uh, individually but, but corporately and if not corporately, this is how we're perceived. By the world, we're perceived in these ways and I'm sorry, but perception is reality, and these are things that we probably need to address and begin to work on. And the first thing that Jesus, the first issue that Jesus had, the first distraction that Jesus brought to the Pharisees' minds was that they forgot their sin. They thought they were better than everyone else. So we're gonna look at a story. If you have your Bibles, uh, turn to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 18, it'll be up on the screen here for you if you don't have your Bibles. Um, but I, I, whenever I'm watching a, uh, a sermon or I'm listening to it live, I've always got my Bible out. I underline, I highlight, um, I make notes. I actually uh, got, have a Bible that has note sections on the side because I want to take notes about the things that I'm hearing the men and women of God saying about what God is showing them in reference to the Bible and I want to know those things and I want to understand those things and so I take notes. Also I take notes because I've got a terrible memory. I have to write it down. If I don't write it down, I'm not going to remember what was said and so I pray that you write down what is being said, not because I'm saying it because it's the word of God and it's an important thing. That's what the Pharisees recognized, that for them to be who they were supposed to be, they had to do the things that God commanded them to do. The challenge was, once we get to the time of Jesus, they'd neglected a lot of those things. Luke 18, 10 through 14, hope you're there. We're moving on, here we go. It says, two men went up into the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. If you're not familiar with scripture, the tax collectors were the worst of the worst. They were Jewish people who were hired by the Romans to tax their own people. And the way that the tax collectors got paid is if um, they were supposed to tax $5 for each person, they would tax $7 for each person and they would keep two. And so they were extorting their own people and they were the lowest of the low. And the Pharisees were very highly respected. They were the men of God, they were the pastors, they were the leaders. And so essentially one a pastor, the other a terrible sinner, uh, went to the temple to pray. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed this. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes, tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Now, this is one of those situations, as a, as a, as a follower of Jesus, I, I, I'm really good at finding who's the good guy and the bad guy in the story and putting myself in the good guy's role. 
Uh, of course, I am the tax collector. I recognize that I'm a sinner. I recognize that I'm, I've, I've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I recognize that. But if I'm gonna be honest, and I think if you're honest, I struggle to compare myself to Jesus because he's perfect and I am unbelievably not. So what I do is I just compare to other people. Oh, I may struggle here, but at least I don't do that. I may not have this area of my life figured out, but over here I'm doing good, so I'm better than that person. And, and the struggle is that the only comparison, the, uh, the standard bearer, is Jesus. And Jesus is perfect. Never sinned, never fell short of the glory of God. Did exactly what God asked him to do every time he asked him to do it and did it exactly the way God wanted. Now I, I understand that that is an impossible standard and that's the whole point. That is why Jesus was so frustrated with the Pharisees, with the religious people of the day because they forgot their need for God. They thought we've got all these laws, we've got all these rules, we'll just do all those and by the power of my will, I will become righteous. And Jesus says that, that's not it. That's not at all it. In 1 Timothy chapter one, Paul says to his disciple Timothy, his, his protege Timothy, he said, Jesus came to save sinners of which I am the worst. That is quickly becoming one of my favorite verses in all of the Bible because Paul was the person who wrote about three quarters of what we know as the New Testament. He was God's person used to reach out to those who were not Jewish, who reached out to the outsiders, but he recognized from the moment go until the end of his days, without Jesus, I am nothing. Without the saving grace of Jesus, I am rubbish, I am rags. He said, Jesus came to save sinners of which I am the worst, the absolute worst. And here's what we have to understand. It's not that Paul was sinning a thousand times more than anyone else. He had the right understanding. One sin equals a million sins. Holiness is a lot like pregnancy. You're either pregnant or you're not. If you ask a woman if she's pregnant and she says, well, sort of, she doesn't understand pregnancy. You either have a baby or you don't. That's it. Same with holiness. You either are or you're not. There's no degrees of holiness. Now, our goal, our standard bearer, was holy, without blemish, perfect. So anytime, anytime, one time, that we don't meet that mark, we are the worst of sinners because one is too many. And Paul recognized that. Jesus in Mark 9 said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I think the moment that we as Christians begin to think like, I've got, I'm starting to get my stuff together. I'm starting to figure this thing out. I've got this area and this area and this area that I'm, I'm really making strides in. Great, that's awesome but don't forget this one spot here. That dark spot in your heart that you wish no one would ever see. We're the tax collector. God, be merciful to a sinner like me. Now there's a more tension. Remember I talked about tension earlier? There's more tension. There's this tension we walk in as followers of Jesus that's, that is we have to recognize, I, I, I am a sinner I am a sinner, I am, I am sick, I need Jesus. But also we have to understand in the eyes of God we're the very righteousness of God himself through Jesus Christ. 
God doesn't look at us and see a broken, horrible sinner. He sees us through the blood of his son Jesus and what he did on the cross. And he sees forgiven people. He sees whole people. He sees his children. So there's a tension we have to walk in. But I think the more that we neglect to recognize our sinful state post-salvation, we're just like the Pharisees. We become distracted. We become distracted by what we're doing well. And we forget that there's still some dark parts that we have to deal with. The second thing that Jesus had real issue with with the Pharisees is they made it more important of what's going on on the outside than what's going on on the inside. We're gonna be in Matthew 23 for the rest of our time this morning. So Matthew 23, verses 25 through 28 is where we'll start. Um, this is the seven woes that Jesus says to the Pharisees and we're gonna look at just a couple of them. There's, there's a bunch of different ones. Like I said, there's seven. But we're only gonna, for time's sake, we're only gonna cover a couple this morning. Um, that's the struggle when you start talking about the Pharisees. You could have a whole sermon series on just the Pharisees because they're so influential and impactful in what was going on during the time of Jesus. But Matthew 23, 25 through 28, if you're there in your Bible, if not, um, it'll be on the screen. It says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, exclamation point. For you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate that the outside also may be clean. It's an inside out, not an outside in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanliness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. I think far too often the power of the gospel of Jesus to set people free from their sins has been diluted to being a gospel of sin management. It's become a gospel of learning how to act right and say the right thing at all the right times, but inside we're not clean. That, that's one of my, has always been one of my struggles with church, and that's why one of the reasons um, I believe that I'm here at HCC in this moment is because I don't know how to be anything but transparent. I don't know how to be anything but real and, and to let you know of all the places that I am dead inside and I am, I am a whitewashed tomb that on the outside, man, I can fake it real good for a little while. But if you're around me long enough, you're gonna find that I have some real brokenness inside of me. I've got some real places that God and I are still wrestling um, because I won't relent because I'm living in my flesh, not in the spirit. But we've gotta be able to admit that. We've gotta have a church. We've gotta have churches that are places where people can come in and say, yes, I believe in Jesus. I love Jesus with my whole heart and yet I still do this. My flesh is still winning here. Well, there's not condemnation, Romans 8, 1. There's therefore now, no, now in this moment, this very moment in time, there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. None. But the, the struggle, if I can be real for a second, the struggle is we may believe that about God, but we certainly don't believe it about church people. And especially those outside the church, they don't for a second think that they can come in and be themselves and not have to put on the right outfit and say the right things and do the right things and make sure that their breath doesn't smell like uh, alcohol or their shirt doesn't smell like cigarettes because, oh, those are the worst things that have ever happened. We don't smoke and we don't chew, we don't drink. What is it? We don't smoke, we don't drink, and we don't chew, and we don't hang out with those that do. But I think Jesus says that's exactly who you're supposed to hang out with. 
That's exactly who I came for. I didn't, came for the pe- I didn't come for the people who think that they've got it all figured out. I came for those that recognize their brokenness on the inside and are tired of faking it on the outside. Now again, we're always working with Jesus. We're always working with the Spirit. We're joining in the Spirit to fix our insides, to overcome the sin in our life, to overcome the flesh in our life. But it's a constant battle that we pretend we've won. Again, as Josh said a couple weeks ago, we recognize at the end there's victory, but right now it's a battle. It's a war between my flesh and the Spirit of God. Every moment of every day, even in this message right now, there are things that I want to say that are just from my flesh. Because I told someone recently, the, the, the Bible is, should be what cuts people. The Word of God is what cuts to the bone and the marrow, separating truth from lies. But me as the pastor, I should never be the one that cuts you. That's sin. That is sin if I condemn you because then I'm just like the Pharisees. At least I'm not like you. Because we judge everything on the outside. We judge everything on the outside. And Jesus said that's not enough. He said to the the Pharisees, this, you have heard it said, but I say to you. He said, you have heard it taught, but you've only kind of brushed the surface. There's more to what I ask of you. He said, you shall not murder. That's what they said. He said, you've heard it taught that you shall not murder, but I say to you, don't even be angry. And if you're angry, be very, very careful with what you do with it. Check your heart. Check the inside. It's an inside-out matter. He said, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery. But I say to you, if you lust in your heart after someone, it's the same thing. Because Jesus is after your heart. Jesus did not come to make bad people good. He came to make sinners and dead people alive with him. He came to give the hopeless hope. He came to make the sick well. He came to make the broken healed. The Pharisees were so much about what you could see on the outside that they completely forgot that the whole reason Jesus came was to fix your heart. And the last one this morning. This is where we all struggle. This is where we really, really struggle as we forget what is most important. We make practices more important than the message. We, we, we make other things more important than Jesus. We, we make all sorts of these peripheral outside things. We do the exact same thing that the gospel is what's most important, but we focus on all the things we've put around the gospel to protect it, as if Jesus wasn't good enough and powerful enough to protect it himself, that we need to make sure that he's protected. And we're back in Matthew 23, just one verse. It's a rather long one, but it's only one verse, Matthew 23. Jesus tells the Pharisees, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. Those you ought to have done without neglecting the others. And this morning, I want to camp here for the rest of the time we have because I think the part of my heart that has been broken the most by God recently, and, and I do believe 
Um, guys, I, I know I'm not the senior pastor, I know I'm not gonna be the senior pastor of HCC, but I'm here now, and I believe wholeheartedly that God brought me here right now in this very moment to share some things with you that he has created me to be. He's broken my heart to see and to recognize that justice is not a very high priority for the church in the United States. Our black and our brown friends are waiting for the church to seek justice for everyone. And what they're seeing is pulpits that are quiet, pastors who are silent, church people that just watch and, and me as well that get riled up on social media but don't take actual steps towards justice. Because justice is incredibly important to God. In fact, he mentions it over and over and over again. In fact, in the Old Testament, he talks about righteousness more than he talks about us loving him. Because he recognized that what we are really good at is is getting with people who are like us and focusing on all sorts of things that just don't matter and neglecting the problems of those around us. This is not a new thing. This is not a, a, a fad that's gonna go away. This is something that I believe that God is wrecking his church because we, are, we, like the Pharisees, have done so many right things. Please hear me, the Pharisees did so many right things. Us as HCC, the church as a whole, God's people, we have done so many good things and we should celebrate those things. But in the same way, that we're really good about celebrating the places where we're seeing success. We don't like to talk about the dark spots. And I believe the way that we seek justice, the way that we speak about justice, the way that we speak about mercy to everyone is the dark spot of church. And if I'm gonna be totally honest, it's the dark spot of middle and upper middle class white churches. We have missed the mark. And here, I want you to see it. I'm just gonna read these. I'm just gonna read these. The rock, his work is perfect for all his ways are justice. A God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is he. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Steadfast love and faithfulness go before you. Give justice to the weak and to the fatherless. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Open open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of those who are destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and the needy. Thus says the Lord of hosts, render true judgments, show kindness and mercy to one another. Do not oppress the widow, 
the fatherless, the sojourner, and the poor, and let none of you devise evil against another in your heart. Thus says the Lord, do justice and righteousness and deliver from the hand of the oppressor him who has been robbed, and do no wrong or violence to the resident alien, the fatherless, and the widow, nor shed innocent blood in this place. In Luke 10, he talks about the good Samaritan, that the only person who is willing to do what is right was the person who was hated. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. But if anyone has the world's good and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. He said, this is God speaking to his people in the book of Amos, I hate, I despise your feasts. And I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the peace offerings of your fatted animals, I will not look upon them. Take away from me the noise of your songs and the melody of your harps. I will not listen, but let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Justice and only justice you shall follow that you may live and inherit the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Hate evil and love good and establish justice at the gate. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. When justice is done, it is the joy of the righteous, but terror to evildoers. Thus says the Lord, keep justice and do righteousness, for soon my salvation will come and my righteousness be revealed. Cursed be anyone who perverts the justice due to the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow, and all the people shall say amen. Blessed are they who observe justice, who do righteous all the times. God has called his church to be a place that gives voice to those who are voiceless, who stands for what is right at all times, for all people, whether they look like us, act like us, or believe like us. Justice is the heart of God. It must be the heart of his church. And we are missing the mark. I am and missing the mark. Don't neglect the other things, but pursue righteousness, pursue justice, pursue mercy. Because you may not be able to see it, but right here it says, missing what matters most. We do so many things right. We bless God in so many ways. We help people in so many venues, in so many ways. But the place that the church is silent is in the oppression and in the violence and in the sadness and the broken heart of those that don't look like us. And so I challenge you today, HCC, and to anyone else who's listening, don't stop doing what you're doing. You're doing it well and you're doing it right and you're blessing God and he's so proud of you. But give voice to those who don't have one. Because Jesus said, what you have done to the least of these, you have done to me. Stop being distracted like the Pharisees were. Let's place our focus back on people because every single person that you come into contact with 
no matter what color their skin, is made in the image of God and should be treated as such. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much. I thank you so much for your words. I thank you so much that you have you have given us marching orders. You've told us over and over and over that we are to love everyone in the same way that you love us. God, I pray that HCC can be a place that speaks against racism and prejudice and gives voice to the downtrodden, to the fatherless, to the widow, to the poor, to the needy. God, that we can love people the way that you did. God, forgive me when I am just like the Pharisees. Forgive me when I'm so focused on what I'm doing on the outside that I neglect my heart. Forgive me. Forgive us. Forgive your body for not standing on the truth of the word of God that demands justice. Demands we do what is right for all people. God, help us to love more. Help us to love you more. Give us opportunities this week to give voice to justice and righteousness and mercy. Help us humble ourselves to realize that we are no better than anyone else. We just know who you are and have placed our faith in you. And God, heal us. Heal every single one of us. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. Guys, thank you so much for joining us this morning.